0: go all in and don't do, don't do it at a 50% or even 80%. This is Three Marketers Walk Into A Podcast, episode four.
1: You're listening to Three Marketers Walk Into A Podcast, brought to you by the fine folks at Response Suite. Boom, there we go. Thursday already. Yes, and brand new episode of this podcast every day this week, just to celebrate. Can I have a celebratory sound? Woo! That was
2: good. It's a uh, celebratory uh, I guess. It's a On a Thursday.
1: <laughs> On the Thursday, I know a, a brand new podcast every day this week, talking to some other marketing or business whiz about their specific area, and today is no different. But before we get into there, what's been your highlights so far this week, Rob? Oh, I'm really all, putting on the spot. All that. of
2: the content has been outstanding. I think the big thing for me that I'm going to take away and start implementing was really some of Ollie's direct mail tips going all the way back to episode number one. Yeah. Uh, that idea of just taking the people who are already on your list, they've bought something and therefore if you do it right, you've got their physical address, stick a letter in the post to them in a brightly colored envelope with some cool thing on it. It's going to stand out. It's going to get their attention. It's
1: going to be absolutely massive. For me, I really loved what Tanya talked about with her Facebook groups and building that free Free community. I mean, i as you can hear, if you haven't already listened to that one, go back and listen to that one. My mind was absolutely blown open. And there was, I mean, there was there's so much other stuff that we talked about this week already. We'll not get into every single day, but it's been an absolutely cracking week. And today is not the day to be let down because our friend and our colleague here, Wilco, is going to smash out the park
2: again. I mean, this was such a good chat, wasn't it? Yeah, so if you haven't come across him, Wilco DeCry is an amazing marketer. He's from Holland, uh, and he's created two incredible software platforms, UpViral and Connector. I O oh. uh, and I personally, uh, I personally use Up Viral. Um, yeah, me too. And it's a really, really smart method. Like he took a thing, an idea, a simple idea, really pioneered it and turned it into a really usable actionable piece of software but I think what's more interesting than or even more interesting than the software and how powerful it is is to actually look at the journey that it's been on like I think it's amazing to think when you start your business sometimes you think it's going on one particular trajectory and it's going well and for whatever reason whether it's for the the growth of your business maybe you hit that glass ceiling and you think oh there's so much above this or maybe it's because of the time pressures or whatever you just think you know what I could take this I could ramp it up I could do so much more with it and he took a completely different direction and that's really what this episode is going to be focused on.
1: It really is. And I think there's a nice underlying story here, which is sometimes you can get trapped into what you thought you were doing. Sometimes you can get so trapped into going, this is my business model and this is the way it's going to happen. In that case, for example, it could be that you are a launch based business. That what you do is you create a brand new product every six months, for example, and you launch that th- and launch a brand new product every six months to make your income, and that's your business model. But then you have to keep your eyes out to opportunity and to what could really allow you to push your business to that next level. And that's another thing that Wilco did so well. He's really good at being observant and really hyper aware of what's happening and what he needs to make happen. So let's get him in here. Let's have a chat and let's listen to our conversation that we had earlier with Wilco de
2: So Wilco, you launched a piece of software, you did an affiliate driven launch with it, and then you kind of transported that and turned it into a monthly recurring software as a service platform instead. So I think the first big question is, was that
0: always what you intended to do? Was that always the plan? Um, And how did it come about? No, like it's it's never been the plan. Like I wish I was that smart, but I I never really thought about it that far ahead. I would say it's more like um, I ran into an issue that you know you're always launching a new product, and at some point I'm like, how do you fix that? How do you move away from like having to sell every single month in order to you know keep your business uh, going? And it was more like, hey, there's some people doing recurring. I should do that. But from the moment I, I launched my first software as a service, or at least online software, not as a service, because it was a lifetime offer, up to the point where I charged monthly or yearly. Uh, I think there's a couple of years in between there. So I should have, I should have started with it right away. But yeah, we, we live and learn, I guess. That's really interesting.
1: So it was sort of a reactive thing. Since you're now a SaaS or a software as a service platform, do you mainly drive new customers through paid ads or do you still use affiliates? And If so, what's what's the sort of ratio between paid, driven, and uh, the affiliate customers?
0: Yeah, so a couple of years ago, it was pretty much all affiliates, uh, which Mm. was back in the days when I was doing like product launches, affiliate-based launches. And then I was like, oh, all right, I, I, I didn't really like the affiliate model as much because a lot of it was like, I promote you if you promote me kind of thing. So yeah. I was like, let's let's figure something else out. And that's when I started running paid ads. And right now, a couple years later, uh, it's actually mostly paid ads. Like last year, it's I don't know the exact numbers, but like mostly from paid ads. Um, and that actually led me to realize that I should probably even that out again. So actually this year we're actually planning to, uh, focus more on, on, uh, both on affiliate marketing as well as content marketing, um, while obviously maintaining our paid ads. But right now... Like I would say affiliates are only 15% of sales or so, uh, while they used to be like 80% or 90 whatever.
2: So I guess you want to balance that out then so that you've kind of, it's it's like spreading the eggs between the baskets, isn't it? It's making sure you've got a good source of traffic from more than one place. So would you say you want it to be like 50-50 or?
0: Yeah, ideally no no traffic source should be more than 50% just to minimize risk. But obviously like if you are building something up or like if you want to dab into a new traffic strategy, you sort of have to really focus on it. I mean, there's no way... I could say like, hey, I'm going to get five new traffic strategies in place and they're all going to work out. You need to like get one, learn it, master it, and then let your team handle it. And then you take on sort of the next thing. So now that we've got our paid traffic in place, it's uh, start to add more into so that we can bring paid ads to below 50%.
1: Right, and you've been obviously on quite a journey there to move yourself from that sort of what we'll call the launch scene onto this always on sale sort of model where it's always open. What would you say are the main steps that someone listening to this right now should take in order to move from that launch model where it's open for a bit, close it, close everything down, build up the hype, open it again for a limited time, moving onto that always-on-sale model? What would be the steps?
0: Yeah, so I think the very first thing is, is, and I think you guys are a perfect example of that, is to create something that you actually believe in, that you have, like, uh, this is what I'm going to focus on, and I envision myself even, like, still working on this, a couple years later, regardless of what everyone around me is saying, but like I believe in it, and I think that's really the first part. Um, because if you don't believe in it, like who is? And then secondly, because it's so easy or, or dangerous or whatever you want to call it, to to fall back in the in the launch cycle to make sure to force yourself, like burn your boat. In other words, like stop lifetime, make the actual decision to stop life selling lifetime, even though it's going to make more sense sometimes to to sell a lifetime license. Right. So for example, I had, um, when I decided to, to stop selling li- lifetime licenses, I had an affiliate like coming a week after he contacted me like, Hey, I can, you know, I can promote your product at a lifetime price. And he he was able to do like really well, like easily, uh, six figures within in just a few days. It was an easy, easy promotion, right? And if if you would make a decision based on logic, you would say, yeah, let's do it, right? Let's It's easy money, let's go for it. But like I said, you have to burn your boat. So I literally told him like, no, I'm not going to do it for whatever reason. And it actually not just costed me that promotion, but actually costed me the relationship with that affiliate because he wasn't able to sort of understand that I wasn't willing to do a lifetime license for his audience while I did a promotion for lifetime, like a a month before or so. Right. Mm. But you sort of have to make that decision. Like if, if this is what I'm going to do, then, then, you know, go all in and don't do, don't do it at a 50% or even 80%. And then once you're, once you're, once you're at that point, once you're like, all right, I got something that I believe in and I, and I'm going to do recurring. And then you sort of get into the stage where like, crap, like, how do you actually do it? Because because obviously, like, you have to, because everything that I learned back then, I have to sort of, like, re-figure out. And, like, I have to sort of start from scratch again. So basically find an acquisition model that, that converts to a no different kind of model because the launches weren't working anymore. So it's really just keep trying until you find something. And once you find something, you optimize, uh, you optimize and you scale from there. And that's sort of like, um, yeah, the last couple of years. That's cool. So
2: have you found that the sales process has had to change much in order to get away from that affiliate driven launch and into this evergreen paid traffic and, and organic traffic thing because obviously it, you know we all build sales pages that might work for a launch but then that might bomb when it comes to driving cold paid traffic so how did that um, sales process change if it did at all?
0: Yeah so I would say that um, uh, it's, it's less based on hype and more value based because once you are in the recurring uh, you actually realize and it took me a while to realize that but it's not about selling your product or your service because that part is relatively easy the hard part is getting them to actually use it right and and getting they're getting them to actually um, keep on using it. So while before it was all about, hey, this is you know, like here's the dream and you got this problem, if this solves it, get access. And once they got access, all good, right? But now it's not much about so much about who is buying, but more like are they actually going to use it and are they going to get results with it? Because if they're not going to use it and if they're not going to get results with whatever I'm selling, they're not going to keep on paying and I'd rather not have them. So that really changes that that the way that you have sort of have to sell more like on on a more value-based level that people who are getting in actually know what they're getting into, and in terms of like more more tactical, like uh, I, I before I always used like the, like the long-form sales pages, and I get I didn't get that to convert from most of my funnels. So right now, for example, a lot of our ads are going into a webinar funnel, which seems to be. Uh, converting a lot better, which is converting a lot better. Yeah.
1: Wow. Okay. So looking at all the things you've learned, if you could have taught yourself something about selling an ongoing software platform before you even launched,
0: what would you have taught yourself? I would have taught myself to do webinars way earlier, even though I hate them. I don't like them, but they work really, really well. Right. Okay. So because
1: of the conversion rates you're seeing, you would have gone straight into webinars much, much earlier.
0: Yeah. Because of the conversion rates for starters, but also just, just to learn actually what your audience wants. Because, you know, there's one thing if, if, if people are on a sales page and they just scroll through and they either buy or they don't buy, but on a webinar, they're going to ask questions, right? And what I always do when I do a new webinar, I actually one-on-one send them an email you know, afterwards, you know, actually using Gmail, saying like, "Hey, I saw you on my webinar. Do you have any feedback or questions?" Right, especially when you uh, start mailing back and forth, like, "Why didn't you buy? Why was there a problem? Or why didn't you think this this would solve your 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 um your problem?" Like, you get so much more like information and understanding of your audience uh, and your potential customers. It's just yeah, there's a lot of hidden gold in there as well.
2: That's cool. I think one of the interesting things about webinars is a lot of people think of a webinar as, well, they only work to sell high-ticket stuff like $2,000, $10,000, $100,000. Uh, in terms of uh, pitching a SaaS program, a SaaS uh, uh, software, off your webinar, what kind of price points are you batting around there? Is that is that, again, to sell an annual recurring at a more expensive price, or is that a low monthly price? What sort of have you found working as a webinar?
0: Yeah, I'd go for the, uh, for the yearly because, obviously, like, I think for for a monthly, the, even if they would buy, like it's hard to make the math work uh, right. because obviously you need to get an X percentage of people to actually purchase. And you're obviously you're already paying like four or five dollars per lead or sometimes even more, six, seven dollars per lead. Uh, from those people, only X, percent actually show, only X percent will actually purchase. So if you do it for like a monthly fee, then uh, I haven't found that to to be working, or it would take a long time to get your money back. While if you're while well, if you're spending a lot of money in Facebook ads, you want to get your money back as soon as possible. Otherwise, you know you have to sort of fill that gap of like you know all your ad spend for like seven months if it takes seven months to uh, turn it into a profit. So I uh, I always go for the uh, for the yearly. Uh, and and usually with like a special bonus package or something that they wouldn't be able to get uh, on our main website.
1: Right, so you stock up that value. I think one of the things we're all, all taught when we first get into selling information online or any of that kind of lovely stuff is what you want to do is you want to sell some great launch products and you want to do this. But the real dream, the creme de la creme, the king of the, of the castle, if you, you want to say it, is having a recurring membership of some description, something where people pay you every month because that gives you a regular income. And we're all sold on this dream of, hey, create yourself a fabulous membership program or create yourself a piece of software that you can sell as a SaaS. So some kind of recurring revenue model. But of course, that doesn't come without its challenges. That, there are some challenges that come with that. And I'd love to hear what you feel the biggest challenges are that face you and face all of us for any kind of recurring monthly or annual
0: recurring sort of revenue model. Yeah, so I think for me the hardest part, and that's actually one that I haven't been able to figure out just yet, uh, is to really lower churn. I mean, if you look at like the big big SaaS companies like Intercom or or Hotjar or whatever, like they all they do is focusing on churn because, and basically for those who don't know, churn is basically the percentage of people. That uh, churn that actually cancel every single month. So let's say you have 100 subscribers, and by the end of the month you only got 90. It means you get a 10% churn. Hmm. And literally, if you uh, if you lower your churn by, by in half, then you will immediately double your lifetime value of your of your customer. I mean, like it's insane the the, the amount of impact that it has. Right. Um, and that's really. Like that's the, the main thing that we're currently focusing on in terms of like, how do we make sure that, that people are um, immediately using it and they're, and they're getting results with it and they feel they're getting results with it and, you know, getting them to want to keep on using your, your platform. And that's really, um, well, yeah, that's really what, what our main current focus is on and the, the main issue that, that. You know, the hardest thing about doing recurring properly, I would say. I think it is.
1: And I think the other bit that sort of speaks to a lot of us who've sold any kind of internet program or a training program or a SaaS platform is that there is very much a mentality around people of what's the new thing? What's the new gadget? What's the new training? What's the latest course about this thing? And people are constantly wanting to seek out the latest and greatest thing. Well, in truth, what the, the real key to success is finding something that works for you, implement it, and keep refining that one thing. So this mentality of running around trying to find the latest gadget and replacing your old stuff um,
2: is really insane, I think. Here's here's the thing. So as a remote team working with people who are all over the place, what tools do you use to keep communication and other important business functions streamlined and effective, and just keep
0: the business moving forward in an organized way? There's actually two main tools that we use, and that is Slack and Trello. Like I'm a, I'm a bit of a nerd, so over time I always try to search for like new cool tools or things that could make it more efficient or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's really if there's one thing I've learned is to keep everything as simple as possible. And that goes for any part of your business, including like your team communication and and organization. So we mainly rely like we have a couple of Google Docs here and there uh, for things that really we really need to put in a spreadsheet. Um, But most of all of our documentation and all our projects and all of that are on Trello. And our day to day chat is on Slack. And that's that's really it.
1: Yeah, that's amazing to keep everything, like you say, organized in all those places. We, uh, we use similar tools as well. Okay, well, we'll take a break from the long-form answers into the, what we call the quick-fire rounds. Let's take a breather and get into that. Hey, hey! You don't want to miss out on more of these fabulous nuggets, do you? Make sure you subscribe to the Three Marketers Podcast now on your podcast player.
2: All right, so these are nice, short, sharp answers. So first of all, a book that you recommend traction by gino wickman sounds like a good one and i've not read that one myself actually have you Rob? Nope. okay and
0: your top success habit whether that be daily or weekly listen to audiobooks or podcasts like this one in the evening make sure you have a good balance between work and your daily like your private life and prepare to do list so you know before you get started what you're going to work on today that's cool. Who do you look up to? Not so much a who, but like a company, Intercom. I already mentioned it before. They are a super fast-growing software as a service, and I, I just envy how they're doing and are attacking the marketplace. I love it. Okay. And how do you define success? If you have a life without stress, balanced life, you're happy, people around you are happy. That's really, uh, that's really the most important part.
2: Here's the most important question of all. Who do you like more, Rob or Kennedy?
0: Who did you say? Sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, finally, can you tell us where can folks go to find out more about you?
0: Sure thing. So I'm on Facebook, Wilco Cray, uh, and you can go to upviral.com as well as connectio.io to find our two SaaS products, upviral.com and connectio.io. And we'll make sure there's a link to those exact things
1: right in the show notes, which you'll be able to find over at com.
2: Thanks, Wilco. It's has been no great having you and get these uh, amazing insights into the world of a SaaS platform. Thank you so much. I mean,
1: isn't that amazing how you can just go from, okay, I'm going to be a launch-based business, and now I'm going to start
2: doing the one of the most challenging types of business we have today, which is the month-to-month SaaS platform. I've seen so many people who just miss a ton of opportunity because they take a great product, they launch it to the marketplace, they put all the work into creating it, whether it's an info product or a software platform. They put all that work into creating it. They put all that work into building a sales process and recruiting the affiliates mm. and doing all that stuff. And by the end of it, bear in mind, during that affiliate driven launch, you may find you're giving a lot of the money away in commissions, prizes, etc. And then at the end of it all they go, Well, that was good. That's that week over. What we're gonna do next week? And they go and they die or you know, next month and they dive into the next product and that product might sell another handful over the rest of its lifetime. But then they just don't put any effort or in, and it's just such a shame to see those products die and they just move on to their next big thing.
1: I think another, another thing to think about and be really interested by is looking at the sales or marketing assets you use in order to sell your stuff. So one of the things that Wilco was very proficient in is that long, and he sort of mentioned it there. Was that long-form sales copy? That sort of what you might see is a bit of an old-fashioned method of selling things, and how that just did not work in the month-to-month SaaS platform, SaaS marketplace, and just being totally aware of that and thinking actually, just because other people are saying, well, it definitely still works, well, it definitely still works, well. Test something else, see how that
2: works, and see how it works within your specific, specific marketplace to your market. It was interesting to hear about the usage of webinars to sell a SaaS platform as well, because you think of it as being, again, a webinar, as I said, something that sells expensive things for yeah. thousands of dollars. But there you go. Take your lifetime, your, sorry, your annual, not lifetime, that's what he said, <laughs> your annual software license and sell it on a webinar great results
1: yeah and he sort of was adding on some extra bonuses just to beef up that offer at the end of it i think it's a great thing if you can do it with software regardless of what it is your product or service is there dear listener Then i'm sure you can do it there too it doesn't have to be these thousand
2: dollar plus packages it really doesn't big lesson from this is literally whatever you sell if you're used to doing launches take it and make it evergreen afterwards because why not it doesn't mean you have to stop launching other stuff just have it running nicely in the background in the background yeah absolutely fabulous stuff we've got another
1: cracking in the view tomorrow. Just to give you the heads up that this, the one tomorrow is with our friend Paul Mort, and uh, he'll be using all of the bad words that you've ever heard. So just a heads up if you are there for us, everyone tomorrow. And he has some massive lessons about using extreme personality in order to attract, really attract the type of people you want to work with and uh, to repel the people who you really don't want to. You really don't want to miss it. It's Absolutely, this, the content he's got is unreal isn't it's it probably not one you want to listen to at the dining table no no no, no. that's all I'm going to say yeah, yeah yeah if you're taking the kids to school probably pop that one off for a little while <laughs> eh? <laughs> right we'll be back tomorrow
2: don't miss a thing, a thing. check out the show notes at blog.responseweeds.com